How's everyone doing this morning? So uh, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer this morning. Dear Lord, we just come before you right now, Lord, and just ask you to be with us throughout our service today, Lord, and just open our ears and our hearts for what uh, you have in store for us today, Lord. Just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, what, uh, since it is technically the big game today, the Super Bowl, um, I'm going to share this morning about uh, comparing the armor of God compared to the gear that a football player uses. And I have a picture, if you guys could put that up, please. I don't know how well you can all see that, but um, first off, the, the belt of, of truth of the armor of God would be just like the belt right here that the player wears. Uh, just like the football belt holds, up the pant, holds the pants up and gives security, so does the belt of truth. I'm going to read Ephesians 6.14. Stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt goes around the waist of our midsection. It secures that section. Truth brings assurance into our lives, thereby also bringing in security in who we belong to, which is our Lord Jesus. The, on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness would be equivalent to the shoulder pads that the player wears in a game. So with this breastplate of righteousness in place, this piece of God's armor protects our heart because it, of it, our heart is protected from being led astray. The shoes of peace would be obviously equivalent to the cleats that a player wears during the game. Ephesians 6.15 says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The football cleats dig into the ground and give you traction. They help you stand in position. This peace keeps us calm and standing strong when storms come into our life. We are grounded because of the good news that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Next is the shield of faith or the arm pads. Sometimes the players have arm pads on and whatnot. I'm going to read Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This piece of armor goes out before and front. It is the first point of contact with the opposing force. Faith is the first step in standing strong for God. Now I'm going to read Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The helmet of salvation, obviously, would be the football helmet that the, the player wears. Take the helmet of salvation. A very important piece of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. It protects our mind. It is there as an act of the will we, when we first choose Jesus. The sword of the Spirit would be like our playbook. Ephesians 6.17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
All other pieces of the armor of God are defensive. The sword of the spirit or the word of God is offensive, just like a football playbook. So the word of God is our playbook. Prayer is equal to the jersey that the player wears. Prayer is like a football jersey. It covers the pads so that they will function properly. Prayer covers all the other armor and brings them together as one unit that, so every piece of equipment functions together. Our jersey also identifies which team we are playing for. My question to you today is, are you on God's team or are you playing for the other team? And I'm going to read Ephesians 6.18 in closing. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I just thought, you know, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I just thought it'd be a good analogy to compare the armor of God compared to what those players this afternoon will be suiting up for. No matter what we know, you know, who wins or loses this game today, that's not important. What's important in the end is we know that as long as we're saddled with that armor of God, nothing can come against us, nothing will defeat us, and we win. So that's my question to you all today, is what team are y'all on? Just think on that this week. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll ask the worship team to come up. Dear Lord, we just come before you right now, Lord, and just ask that you be with the worship team as they lead us in worship this morning, and just be with us throughout the rest of the service, Lord. You know, while I'm standing right here, Mary, can we pray for you? I know your ankle's been injured, and I just feel like we need to pray for that. Okay. Lord, we just pray for Mary's ankle. We know it uh, was injured quite a while ago. It's been bothering her, and isn't healing up quite like it should. I just pray that you would give her wisdom and her parents wisdom and just pray that it would heal. Amen. Okay. You gave me plenty of time. <clears throat> Have a little bit of congestion today, so... I apologize for that, but we'll get through it. So first of all, I want to tell you my name is Paul, and I'm one of the elders here at Country Christian. Pastor Jason and Janelle, his wife, are celebrating their 18th anniversary um, this weekend, so I am the stand-in. So I have a, a confession to make. I've, I've stood up here before and said, um, you shouldn't listen to too much of the media because, you know, it messes with you. And, um, you know, especially the current events. And, but I have, um, in the last few, couple of weeks, um, backslidden, and I have listened to way too much of the current events. And... Um, <clears throat> There is a good antidote, though, and it works anytime. Just break out the Christmas music, and it will <laughs> help you. And I've, I've done it. It works. So 
So that's what I wanted to talk about today was uh, the burning question that you all have. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever? No, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I appreciate Jeff's opening talking about armor, you know, what the football players wear, and, and comparing it to the armor of God that, that we need to do battle. And that's, that's part of what we're doing here. Okay, so what I would like to talk to you about is um, Jesus, the temple, his triumphal entry, and current events. Uh, you think I can fit that all in one sermon? <laughs> okay, so let's begin by looking at John 2, uh, verses 12 through 17. Okay, so this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He... Um, he had just been in the, at the wedding in Cana, and he had turned the water into wine, his first miracle. And so these are the verses immediately following that event. And I see that um, uh, Zach and I were messing around with that projector, and we got it readjusted, so, but it's not quite right. Anyway, we didn't intend to do that, but uh, we were working on something else, and we will fix that. I'm going to read over here. Okay. After this, Jesus went to the town of Capernaum with his mother, brothers, and followers. They stayed there for just a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover feast, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. He saw others sitting at tables, exchanging different kinds of money. Jesus made a whip out of cords and forced all of them out, both the sheep and the cattle, to leave the temple. I think I added a word there. He forced all of them, both the sheep and the cattle, to leave the temple. He turned over the tables and scattered the money of those who were exchanging it. Then he said to those who were selling pigeons, take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a place for buying and selling. When this happened, the followers remembered what was written in the scriptures. My strong love for your temple completely controls me. I actually read... Um, um, a commentary that said, you know, Jesus had this whip, but he, he didn't actually use it, you know, but I, I don't believe that. I think if Jesus made a whip, it's because he wanted to use it. <clears throat> so, um, and, the, and the, right at the end, uh, the, the verse that his disciples were remembering is a quotation from Psalm 69, 9. So I was just thinking about, you know, what was going on here in the temple, and it's, it's, um, it probably started as a fairly innocent thing, you know. People had to travel long distances to get to the temple to worship. 
and you know it's kind of hard to travel with a a cow or a you know a lamb or whatever and so you know maybe at first it was kind of like well this will be convenient you know we can we could just buy them when we get to the to the temple you know and it'll be a good thing and and you know then that that way the priest can kind of check it out make sure it's approved animal and everything's good and and then you know people came from different parts of the country they had different uh currency in different parts of the country and so they had to exchange it for the temple currency you know because that was what they wanted to pay their what they call it their um had this had to give one coin to pay for their uh i can't remember what the word was but anyway it was it was something that everybody had to do it was, it was pay this you know like a temple tax and it would, you know, support the temple. And but what had happened is what always happens with people. The people in charge go, "Hey, we could make some money out of this." And the the chief priest was, you know, becoming fabulously wealthy by selling these animals and and uh, you know cheating people on the money exchange and. And selling the animals for extravagant prices, you know, and and um, it it got to be such a business that you know it, it was more important to them than the worship. <clears throat> so Jesus sees this, you know, he just got into uh, Jerusalem for the Passover. And um, he, it really upset him, you know. It's, this, was, this was God's house and what had happened to it. So he used that whip. I mean, he whipped the animals, he whipped the people, he chased them out. It was like a violent, you know, disruption of everything. Tipped over the tables, threw the money around. I mean, it was... It was um, you know, very disrupting. And what's, what's interesting is in the verses just following, his, his followers ask him, hey, uh, can you do a miracle to show us that you, you got the authority to do this? You know, I mean, they were even doubting him because, you know, he just started his ministry. Okay, so um, let's fast forward to... Um, about a week before Jesus was crucified. And he is again coming into Jerusalem for the Passover. So this would be Matthew 21, verses 7 through 11. Three years later. They brought the donkey and the colt to Jesus and laid their coats on them, And Jesus sat on them. Many people spread their coats on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The people were walking ahead of Jesus and behind him shouting, Praise to the Son of David! God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord! That's a quotation from Psalms. 
Praise to God in heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, all the city was filled with excitement. The people asked, who is this man? The crowd said, this man is Jesus, the prophet from the town of Nazareth in Galilee. So, um, by now, Jesus has been doing his ministry for three years, and, you know, he's healed a lot of people, and he has uh, quite a bit of notoriety, notoriety so, um, you know. And, and the people were thinking, you know, they were, when he came, they're like, oh, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. They were excited. They were full of hope. This, this long-promised Messiah that they had waited so long, thousands of years for, he was here. They knew it was him. And he was going to deliver them from the evil Roman Empire that was, you know, headed up by the Caesar who thought of himself as God. He was going to free him from all that and they could worship how they wanted and everything was going to be great. This, they were so excited. Okay, so let's switch gears now. Let's talk about recent events. Remember the election we had on November 3rd? Does anybody remember that? Okay, we had an election in this country, and I was excited and I was hopeful because I believe that President Trump was going to get reelected and he was continu would continue his, his support for um, pro -life, the pro-life agenda. He's, he was the, you know, the greatest pro-life president we've ever had and, and he was going to push that forward and, you know, he had the, he had changed the, the balance of the Supreme Court and, you know, we were going to make some real progress in this country. And you know what? Maybe he would drain some more of the swamp and America would have a chance to become great again. Right? I was excited and full of hope. And, and when I went to bed on November 3rd, he was leading in the battleground states. He'd already won Florida. Things were looking great. Okay, so let's leave that right there. Let's go back to Jesus riding on the colt. What did Jesus do when he entered Jerusalem? Okay, he's, the crowd wants him to overthrow the Romans. But what did he do? So this is Matthew 21, 12, and 13. <clears throat> he just got to Jerusalem. He gets off the colt. Jesus went into the temple and threw out all the people who were buying and selling there. He turned over the tables of those who were exchanging different kinds of money, and he upset the benches of those who were selling doves. Jesus said to all the people there, it is written in scriptures, my temple will be called a house for prayer, but you are changing it 
into a hideout for robbers. So he doesn't really pause. He just goes straight to the temple. And what does he find when he gets there? Everything's just like it was three years ago. It's the same thing. There was so much money to be made that, you know, nobody, they couldn't help themselves. They just set the whole thing up again. And... uh, You know, people were getting cheated again. He quotes different scriptures this time. It's Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. But this wasn't what the crowd wanted him to do. This, what are you doing going and messing things up in our temple? That is not what we expected you need to get rid of these Romans. That's what we wanted. But things in the temple were business as, as usual, and so Jesus does the same thing. He, he disrupts everything. He dumps over the tables. He chases everybody out, chases the animals out. He doesn't make a whip this time. I think he, he was so upset. He didn't have time this time. He just, was, it just hurt him to see what had happened. Okay, so let's go back to our current events again. Am I kind of giving you whiplash here? Let's, let's, try to, let's try to stick with me. We've all been affected by our government shutting down businesses and churches. It's something that our churches and us Christians in America tend to be, and I'm talking about myself here, we tend to be shallow and weak. I mean, that's just because it's easy for us here. We don't have very little persecution. You know, we have freedom to worship. And so our churches have turned into entertainment, you know. And, you know, that's not necessarily what they should be. Um. You know, um, as, as the churches have been shaken, you know, different leaders have done different things, different church leaders. And, I mean, some of you have had to find a different church to go to because of what they've done. And, you know, so, yeah, things have definitely been shaken up, and um, it's, it hasn't been exactly what we wanted, you know? This isn't what we were... We were hoping for, you know, President Trump to get reelected and, you know, the agenda to continue and the ease to continue, right? <clears throat> Let's go back to what Jesus said when he, when he cleared out the temple. He said, 
you are changing it into a hideout for robbers. Oh, oh I'm sorry. The, the verses before that. My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you are changing it into a hideout for robbers. He didn't even say anything about a house of entertainment. So, going back to um, Jeff's analogy, we need, we need to use that jersey of prayer. We need to pray for our churches, and we need to pray for our fellow Christians. Okay, then going back to uh, November, November 4th, I wake up, and I learn that, you know, all of a sudden Trump is trailing in all the battleground states, and... And, uh, you know, he goes on to lose the election. And then in the weeks that followed, you know, I was kind of hopeful. Hey, there was some stuff going on here that shouldn't have. And, you know, one of the courts is going to hear this, you know, and maybe we'll get justice. But there was no court in the land that was willing to even hear anything. Okay, now I, I have a picture to show you, um, and this is where I'm totally disgusted, I have to admit. Uh, that's not very big, but there we go. Okay, so um, I, I am disgusted because I have to be careful what I say today because billionaires like this one with the whiny voice may be listening to what I say and may, you know, take me off social media and, um, you know, want to even change what I think because I don't think right. And, and you know, it's not just this guy. There's lots of them, but, you know, this one I kind of have a personal thing against. <clears throat> When you took, uh, I'm not going to say it, I'll, yeah, yeah, anyway. So, so if you're like me, your blood pressure is kind of going up right now, right? It's, it's frustrating. But while I'm, you know, disappointed and discouraged by some of these things, I also have something else that's coming up in me. It's excitement. That's weird. I don't know why, but I am excited because God has got a different plan than what I thought he should do, you know? And usually it's a lot better than what I had in mind. Now, will it be easier? Uh, probably not. It usually isn't. But um, it's okay, you know? And what's really exciting is he chose you and me to be alive for this. We are here for a purpose. You know, we are part of the church that, that God is going to use and, you know, strengthen Christians, you know, uh, change how we do things, um, 
You know, it's, it's a critical time in our history, and, and I think that we should all be a little bit excited about what's going on. It's not going to be easy, but it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing what's happening. Maybe we, this opposition to the church in America is going to, you know, make us strong. So I'm going to challenge you and myself when we start um, getting frustrated and feel our blood pressure rising about what's going on in, in our country and around the world, let's pray. You know, that's, that is the most powerful thing that we ignore all the time. And so I'm just going to take a second right now and please join me and let's pray. Lord, we, we, we get a little frustrated. Things didn't go like we wanted them to. But Lord, we trust you. You have a better plan and you've chosen us to be part of it. And Lord, we pray for salvation of, of people um, that we don't know, like Mark Zuckerberg. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to him. And I pray for uh, Joe Biden and, and um, Kamala Harris. Lord, I don't think they know you like they should. And I just pray that you would speak to their hearts, your Holy Spirit would speak to them, and that they would be saved. And, and others too, Lord. I just pray for revival in our nation, Lord, and in our church. We pray in your name, amen. Okay, so um, I'm wrapping up. I'm a little early. <laughs> You gave me too much time, and I didn't have quite enough. I could see that now. Okay, so I want to go to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Sue's been going through this, so I keep hearing stuff about it. And so this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has talked about so many different things, and he's going to sum it all up and wrap it all up. And... Um, so he's talking about two houses. You know, this is about the two houses and where they're built and what they're built on. And so, so just for the sake of this morning, uh, you know, let's just consider like these are two identical buildings. In fact, we don't even have to call them houses, but, you know, that, that makes sense. But let's also just kind of insert the idea of a church here, you know, let's just think about it that way. And, and you know, it works both ways, but so this is Matthew 7 24 through 27. Everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. Or let's, uh, let's, let's say that again. That's so important. Everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house or his church on a rock. It rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and hit that house. But it did not fall because, because it was built on rock. Everyone who hears my words and does not obey them 
is like a foolish man who built his house or a church on sand. It rained hard, the floods came, the winds blew and hit that house, and it fell with a big crash. So, yeah, God's shaking things up. It's not necessarily what we want, but it's, it's a good thing. I really think it is. God's got a plan, and it, he's, he's going to be here with us. Okay, so I am closing now with plenty of extra time, so you can have time to visit, but um, I would like to, um, for us to listen to a song. Um, the group that sings it is Casting Crowns, and it's called Start Right Here. And uh, you've probably heard the song. Um, and after the song is over, I've asked Jeff to come and close us with prayer. So we'll uh, listen to that song now. Well, thank you for sharing that word today, Paul. So I guess we'll uh, go ahead and close in prayer. And dear Lord, just ask you to be with us as we go out from this place today, Lord. Just be with us throughout this week. Just guide and protect us. And Keep us safe and as we go out into the world and spread the light and spread the gospel today, this week, Lord. Just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.